0: I'm going to teach in just a moment, and I I, I, I just want to say to you, back in January, our church began the year with some intensive prayer and fasting. And during that time, I encouraged everybody in the church to get a word from God, to, something that you could pray into, and the Lord just really spoke something fresh to my heart, and which was drawing me back to the cross, the cross of Christ. The the doctrine of the cross is so intensive, and it's extensive and exhaustive. I mean, it's not just about salvation. The cross, His cross has become our cross, and I've been meditating on this and praying about this, and I'm going to teach on it some more today. I started last week. I'm going to do it again next week. But on Easter Sunday, I know it's Resurrection Sunday and we are thankful that the tomb is empty. But I want to talk to you today about the power of the cross. And one of the things I'd love for you to do is, would you just stand with me? Come on, just one more time before I teach. We've been connecting with some of the, some of the hymns of the past that are so powerful and meaning and rich and deep in worship. And since I have this on my heart, I just think about the cross and the blood of Jesus that covers and washes us away. And uh, Landon and the team over here, they're just going to lead us in this hymn. Maybe you can just close your eyes and just worship a little bit with us before I teach the Word today.
1: The Word can wash away my sin Nothing but the blood Yeah. Cheers.
0: Thank you for your life. So grateful for your death, Lord, on the cross. And for the seal of our covenant in the resurrection. We give you praise today. So much praise. Can you give him an ovation of praise, everybody? One more time. Come on. Amen. All right, have a seat and give me a few minutes. And let me give us an exhortation today on Easter Sunday. You know, in 20 in 2004 there was an epic biblical drama called The Passion of the Christ that was co-written by and produced by Mel Gibson. It was primarily a movie that depicted the last 12 hours of the life of Jesus Christ. The film it brought this incredible, graphic, um, horrific uh, detail concerning the last hours of, of Jesus in His, in his life, and, uh, and especially depicted the cross in just graphic detail. The image of His beaten body, of Him hanging on the cross, it's still etched in my mind. Those of you that have seen it, The Passion of the, of the, of the Christ, you probably know. Exactly what I'm talking about. And I know it's Resurrection Sunday here today, but the cross really, I think the, cro- the cross is the centerpiece of our faith. It is adored, admired, worshipped. I mean, it's, it's one of the most iconic emblems in all of the history of mankind, the cross is. In fact, it even predated um, Roman custom. It went all the way back to China. There are other places around the world that use crucifixion as a means of, of capital punishment. You know, to us, the cross is not just a relic of the past. It's not just a monument in front of the church or up on a steeple or jewelry around our neck. To us, it's the message of hope, it's the message of life, it's the power of God. It is the instrument of the suffering of Christ and the death of Christ, but it's more than that, everybody. It's the instrument of our salvation, and without it, we're just hoping. With it, we have confidence in God. And today the cross is almost like a lightning rod that draws and divides, draws controversy and, and divides people. I don't know if you are aware of that, but not everybody loves the cross, worships the cross, adores the cross. We do. It's not surprising though because it's so, such a powerful. A revelation of of god's love and god's authority, everybody say authority, because there's love expressed on the cross, but there's authority established by the triumphant power of the cross, and not everybody loves that, even in Paul's day, they did not, even the early church, in fact, let me read this to you. this is in Philippians it's chapter three. you don't have to turn now,'ll just give it to you. Paul says to the church at Philippi, says, listen, I've told you before, and now I tell you again, even with tears, I kind of relate to this because I can see this in the, in the secular world, in the political environment, in the world of entertainment. I want to say it the same way. I, I tell you again, even with tears, many live as enemies of the cross of Christ. There are enemies of the cross even in His day enemies that rejected the message of the cross, the ideology of the cross. And today many people are enemies of the cross, and it's because they reject the political ideology of Christianity that many people in a secular world feel oppressed by the cross. It's because they don't understand the power of the cross, or the real message of the cross. and. The enemies of of the cross and Christ and Christianity, they're only increasing as the day goes. Progressive politicians and secular media and entertainers in film and music industry, it's commonplace for them to ridicule or blaspheme the cross. I'll show you a couple of images. Maybe it's not pleasant for you to see this in the church today, but this is the things that we we are dealing with. That... Rappers, it's not uncommon for them to present themselves in blasphemous positions. This is the first one here is the baby, and he is depicting himself hanging on the cross. And then there's another one. He named himself this. I'm not quite sure I understand, but this is Lil Dicky. And then, of course, there's another iconic entertainer that you are familiar with. This is Madonna. The list goes on and on. I wouldn't waste my time if we, if I were you, but I did it for you. I just could not hardly believe how popular it is in the secular world, in the world of entertainment, to ridicule and to reject the cross. It's, it's the rejecting of the authority of the cross more than anything else. But the cross to us, the message of the cross to us is the message of love. And grace and sinners don't understand it, so they underestimate it. The godless are insulted by it, so they reject it. Uh, everybody, 1 Corinthians one eighteen, powerful verse. Take a look at this, it's 1 Corinthians one eighteen says, for the message of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing. But to us who are being saved, it is the power of God. It's foolishness to those who are perishing, and they don't realize that they're perishing, they just look at the message that us crazy lunatic Christians believe, and they reject it, because it feels like It's oppressive. But to us, we know that it is the power of God. The power of the cross, today, everybody, I want you to see, it's not in the the wooden structure of the cross. The power of the cross is in the message of the cross. That's why the Scripture says, for the message of the cross to those who are perishing is foolishness. So they discount it, so they can justify their disbelief in it, because they account it to be foolish. It's the message of the cross, and I just don't want you to miss the message. In fact, I find that the Lord has stirred my heart to to this message, to not forget that yes, I want to equip believers, I want to teach us how to walk with the Lord. But we need to understand the message of the cross, and you need to be able to express it, define it, because you will find yourself in heated debate with with people who are claiming or accusing you of being foolish because you love the cross. In fact, the cross and God's provision for our salvation The Scripture tells us was once a mystery that was hidden. It wasn't a a mystery that we had to struggle to figure out. In the Scripture, a mystery is something that once was not revealed but now has been made known. And the mystery of the cross has been revealed to us as being God's ultimate plan that He established before the foundation of the world. I'm going to let the Bible teach us some this morning because I want to show you in, first, uh, in the book of Ephesians, the first chapter, the, this incredible revelation that the Apostle Paul had received from God, and he's writing by the inspiration and the authority of the Holy Spirit in the Bible, and he writes this. Ephesians 1:3, all praise to God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us With every spiritual blessing in the heavenly realms, because we are, look, it says we are united with Christ. I've underlined some things that I want to really bring out today. Verse four, he says, even before he made the world, God loved us and chose us in Christ to be holy and without fault in His eyes, holy and without fault in His eyes. And God decided in advance to adopt us into His own family by bringing us to Himself through Jesus Christ. I hope you're paying attention. This is the plan of God. This is what God wanted to do, and it gave Him great pleasure. So we praise God for the glorious grace He's poured out on us who now, because of the cross, belong to His dear Son, somebody who belongs to Jesus. Give me an amen. Amen. Look at verse 7. God is rich in kindness and grace, God who is so rich in kindness and grace, that He purchased our freedom with the blood of His Son and forgave our sins." Wow. Or, whoa. Because this is what people either receive and believe and receive, or this is what people scoff at and reject and call foolish, that God in His plan, because of His rich kindness and grace, purchased our freedom from our debt of sin by by the blood of His Son and forgave our sins. He, verse 8 says, showered His kindness on us, along with all wisdom and understanding. You ought to be thanking God right now that He gave you the wisdom and understanding To comprehend God's plan and the wisdom to say, yes, Lord, because many, their eyes have not been opened to understanding. Verse 9 says, God has now revealed to us His mysterious will regarding Christ. Remember, uh, the mystery that was once hidden now is revealed, and that mysterious will is that His good plan. Verse 10 says, and this is the plan, at the right time He will bring everything together under the authority of Christ, everything in heaven and on earth. Furthermore, because we are united with Christ, we have received an inheritance from God. The Word of God is preaching a sermon to you. I don't know if you are getting this or not, but I want you to see the depth and the richness and the glory of God's plan. And in the original Greek language, it's very interesting, everybody, it's like Paul is writing this letter to the church in Ephesus, and he starts. And this is, in the original, there is no punctuation, the English translators helped us and gave us commas and periods, but in the original, it is not that way. It's just boom, 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 boom. It's like Paul got his quill, and he starts writing, and the Spirit of God is downloading incredible truth, incredible revelation, and boom, there it goes. He's just writing and writing and writing and writing, and it's like, wow, whoa, yes. Hold, hold on, then he stops. He's like, I don't know if they're going to get this this is so big, this is so deep, this is so powerful, this is so real, he stops and he says, let me just pray. So, he writes out a prayer. I feel that same way. Sometimes when I'm preaching, I'm like, I know the words are coming out, but are they going from your ear down into your spirit? And he prays, I pray that your heart would be flooded with light so that you can understand the confident hope that he has given to those who are called his holy people, who are rich, and glorious in their inheritance, and, he said, and then he prays again, he says, and I also pray that you will understand, and I pray that we will all understand the incredible, the surpassing greatness of God's power for us who believe. The name of my message is the power of the cross. I want you to grasp it. This is the same mighty power that raised Christ from the dead. Happy Resurrection Day, everybody. This is the same power. Not only—okay, give Him glory, but look. But this is the power that not only raised Him, but then seated Him at the place of authority— triumphant place of authority, the place of honor at God's right hand. Verse 21, and then he's praying also, I want you to get this, because now he who, Jesus, the Glorious One, is above any ruler or authority or power or rap artist or politician or ungodly teacher or cult leaders. Or anything else that you could even name, he is at the right hand, not just a little bit higher, but far above, everybody. Say it with me, far above. He is far above all authorities, not only in this world, but in the world to come. That's who you serve. That's who you belong to. This is what Christ has done. This is what He accomplished for us on the cross. This is the message of the cross that some say is foolish, but others have faith to believe. And the line between the foolish and the believing—hello, everybody—the rejecting, the re- those who reject and those who accept, it's getting stronger. And let me just give you three things on Easter Sunday in 2023. I'm going to give you three things about the power of the cross. And I'm just drawing it right out of this passage. And here's number one. The cross purchased our freedom. I mean, that's what the Scripture says. That's what Paul said by revelation, that he is so rich in kindness that he purchased our freedom with with the blood of his Son and forgave our sin. So, he purchased Listen, every time that you and I sinned against God, we rang up a debt, a debt of unrighteousness that we are powerless to pay. In fact, I like to say it this way. I owed a debt to God, it was, but it's a deadly debt. A lot of us have debts to pay that we can pay, but this is a deadly debt. The only way you can pay for it is with death. Do you remember in the very beginning, the first man, God told Adam, don't eat of this fruit because you'll sin against me, and if you sin against me, you will die. And the serpent came and Satan came in the form of the serpent and said, you're not really going to die. And they went with the serpent instead of obedience to God, and they sinned and they died. And we think, how terrible. God knew that human and and, that humans would be independent and they would choose but from the beginning of the world God had a plan this was God's plan all along Jesus said to the father in when he was praying before he went to the cross father the work you gave me I have finished that work this was the cross was the work that was planned even before man was created that God would redeem us that he would pay for our debt this debt that you you could never pay. Listen, just one—God is 100% holy, and just 0.5% of your unholiness is intolerable to God. You, You could never become good enough to erase your debt. This is crazy. And here's the thing about God. Everybody listen. God doesn't grade on a curve. In the world, many secular people think so. Even churchgoers think so. Because we look at one another and we compare ourselves with one another. Well, if that preacher's going to heaven and I know the way that he's living, I'm better off than him, I'm go- surely I'm going to make it in. It doesn't work that way. You remember when you were in school and you were flunking the test and you're like, is this one of these teachers that grades on a curve? Oh, please, maybe this will be the day that she lowers the standard. So, you ask, Johnny, how'd you do? Man, I bombed. You asked Susie, how'd you do? Oh, I did terrible. You asked, Harry, how'd you do? I did, I did terrible. I didn't get any right. And you got three or four right. You're like, oh, I'm feeling pretty good. I'm doing compared against them. But there's always one in that group. His name is usually Winston or Melvin or maybe Karen or, you know, and they just—they just got big heads, and their brains are huge. And they get all the answers right. And is anybody, was anybody like the A student, like the top student in your, we, there's a couple people raising. we hate you. (laughs) We really do. We really don't, but we do because you ruin the curve. Everybody, God doesn't grade on the curve. There's only one way for you to be accepted and become fault free. And that's by putting your faith in the work of Jesus on the cross when He substituted His death for your death. He paid the ransom for your sin and set you free when He died on the cross. It is the power of the cross that purchased our freedom from this unpayable debt. Somebody ought to say glory to God. That's rich, and how did he do this? Well the Scripture really explains this, Colossians chapter 2 verse 13, when you were dead in your sins and in the uncircumcision of your flesh, God made you alive with Christ. He forgave us all our sins, having canceled the charge of our legal indebtedness. He's taken this from the Roman judicial system. There was literally a certificate of punishment. It had different names. There was a list of offenses that a criminal had that was, that was listed against them, and it was written on a scroll. And if they were incarcerated, it was posted at their door. It, of the the jail. If they were to be crucified on the cross, it was nailed to the cross. So everybody knowing could look and see, this is why this person's locked up. This is why this person is dying. This is why this person is guilty. And you have a guilty list. All of us have a guilty list. It is the certificate of indebtedness. And the Bible says it stood against us and it condemned us. But Jesus, because of the cross, He took away that certificate of indebtedness and He nailed it to the cross with Him. He nailed it to the cross and He paid the price for every sin that you ever committed, every guilty thing you ever did, it was nailed to the cross. This is incredible. And then it says, because he did this, he disarmed powers and authorities. You you know what that means? It means the devil had authority in your life and over your life when you were bound by sin. But when Jesus delivered you from the power of sin by dying in your place, he took the bullets out of the gun. He just took away the sword. He disarmed the devil. Satan can point his gun and he can scream, I'm going to kill you and I'm going to kill you, but when he pulls the trigger, there's no bullets in his gun, everybody. Jesus disarmed the enemy, and no longer can he accuse you of being guilty when you are free from guilt. (laughs) To those who mock the cross, this is foolishness. But to those of us who are being saved that have faith, wisdom, and understanding to receive this, it is the power of God. Let me show you this now. Jesus not only removed something from your life, your sin, the power of sin, but He imparted something into your life that you were powerless to get. In fact, one of the most brilliant, incredible revelations of the message of the cross is 2 Corinthians 5.21. Excuse me if I just get so excited about this. I'm just telling you, this stuff is just brimming inside of me. I just can't hardly believe that all of these pieces that God had created, they fit together. 2 Corinthians 5.21, For our sake He, God, made Him, Jesus, to be sin, who knew no sin, so that in Him we might become the righteousness of God. I want you to see that when Jesus was hanging on the cross, sinless, pure, holy, righteous God, the Son of God, hanging on the cross. I want you to see this, at some point in the crucifixion, God imparted or took the sins of everybody's life, the whole list of of everybody's certificate of indebtedness, and when he nailed it to the cross, Jesus took your sin and my sin upon him. Righteous and holy never sinned, and at one point he took your sins. It was an incredible transaction. This is why God, Jesus, said to God the Father on the cross, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Because there was a moment where he had never been separated from the Father. He was the God-man, holy and pure. But at that moment, I mean, think about it. Just think of the list of all of the guilty sins of your own personal life. I mean, I mean, I mean if you want to submit them... Send me an email, and I'll put them on the screen next week. (laughs) We wouldn't do that. Just think of your sins up there and my sins up there. We're going to have to get a bigger screen. Think about the billions and billions. There are eight billion people on the planet now. How many billions of people ever lived? See, in the Old Testament, they're pointing towards the cross. In the New Testament, we're pointing back to the cross. Hello, everybody, but the cross is the centerpiece of our faith, where all of the sins of billions and billions and billions, 20 billion, 30 billion, I don't know how many billion of people have lived, and I don't know how many billions of sins have been committed, but Jesus, righteous one, Son of God, took on all of the sins, the debts that were owed God, and He died in our place. But it didn't end there, because the Scripture says not only did He take away our sins, but He gave us His righteousness. Okay, let's make it personal. I don't know how many sins you committed in however old you are. How many is in their early 30s? Raise your hand. Let me see. Okay, How many of you are in your 40s? Okay. How many you are in your 50s? How, anybody over 60? Jesus lived to be 33. You, if you doubled Jesus, I wonder how many sins in your life that would be on that list. In Jesus' life, zero. Holy, righteous. He never did one thing that displeased the Father, He only did what He saw the Father doing or asked Him to do. And when Jesus died on the cross, God accepted that sacrificial death in your place. This is called the doctrine of substitution. He accepted that death on the cross, and then He took the life of Jesus all of those 33 years of saying yes to God, obeying the Father, doing the right thing, and in some kind of spiritual transaction, He took the life of Jesus and He put it over into your account. So you went from a deficit to zero. And because of the cross, you're no longer at zero. You have a surplus, and that is His righteousness. So in your account in heaven, hello, before Almighty God, when He looks at you, He sees Jesus. He, never, he no longer sees the certificate that of indebtedness that has all of your sin. In fact, when He looks at the cross, He sees you. You died when Jesus died, so your your price was paid. Jesus purchased your salvation. And now, when He looks at the Son of God, when He looks at you now, He only sees Jesus and the righteousness of God. He who knew no sin became sin that we might become the righteousness of God. He died for us, and He gave us His life. This is the message of the cross. This is the power of the cross. This is why the apostle Paul says that God has blessed us in an amazing way, because He chose us to be in Christ, in His righteousness, and now we are holy and without fault in His eyes. Why would you trade that away? So the power of the cross is that He purchased our freedom, and He imparted to us His righteousness. And the other thing that's just brilliant and just amazing and mind-blowing is that through the cross, God unites us with Christ forever. That's what we're talking about, forever. Seventy—everybody listen, listen to this, this will blow your mind—seventy-three times in the New Testament epistles, the phrase, in Christ, with Christ, united with Christ, is mentioned. Seventy-three times. Do you think that that is an important issue? Seventy-three times. So, my life—this is, this is why Paul said, I am crucified with Christ. This is next week's sermon. Nevertheless, I live, yet not I, but Christ lives in me. And the life I now live, I don't live in the flesh, I live it by the faith of the Son of God. So I'm united with Christ. He lives. I have a new ID. I'm no longer, I, I'm no longer a sinner, Raleigh. I am holy, Ron. Crazy. It's crazy. God said I'm holy. I've been called a lot of things, but nobody's ever called me holy, <laughs> except every now and then when Carrie's mocking me, she's like, oh, oh yeah, holy, man, holy, holy preacher. <laughs> the other day I was in my prayer closet and I was having a time with God, and I know when I got out, I had the Shekinah glory over me. I was kind of like Moses. My face was glowing. And I just went and I had, I had to hide my face in a veil I went, it, where Carrie was. And she goes, oh yeah, you're real holy. (laughs) She can't see it, but I know it's true because God has made me holy. My holiness is not in me. It's in the righteousness of God. And I am united with His work that He finished on the cross forever and ever and ever and ever. And now I have an inheritance. And that inheritance that God has given us It comes from my union with Christ. And for the rest of my time on this planet and all of eternity, the joy that I look forward to is discovering my inheritance as a son of God, part of the family. To those who are perishing, this is foolishness. But to you and to me who believe, this is the power of God. The Apostle Paul prayed, he prayed that our understanding would come alive. He said, I pray that you'd be flooded with light, that you would be flooded with this revelation of what I'm preaching on today, and that you would come to know the power of God. And you you know, you're free from the power and the bondages of sin, and you can live in the power of the Son. Because Jesus finished the work. Come on, stand with me, everybody. I want to share something with you. One of the last things that Jesus said on the cross, there were three words. Do you remember what it was? He stretched out His hands and He said, it finished. is Say it, it, it is, is finished. finished. And He gave up His life. You know they didn't take His life, He gave it. In fact, people attacked the Jews and said, you were Christ killers. The Jews weren't Christ killers. We were Christ killers. It was our sin that nailed him to the cross. He did it so we could be free from our sin. So it all came down to the plan of the Father. You know, when I was reading through this, I had this image in the Old Testament, and those of you who are familiar with the Bible. I know we got a lot of people new to the Bible here, but in the Old Testament, before Christ came and became the sacrificial lamb that took on the sins of the world, there was a sacrificial system system where there were actually priests that went behind a curtain and they offered up lambs and all kinds of animals, blood sacrifices. You've heard this before. And in this tabernacle, there was a lot of ritual. There was a holy, progressive way that the human priest approached what was called the Holy of Holies. And in, in this tabernacle, there's all kinds of furniture. In the outer court, there was a great big laver where they washed. When you went in to the next section, there was a, a, a table of showbread. There was a candelabra that was in there. Uh, there, there were all kinds of pieces of furniture. They were like stations of atonement and processes. The one thing that was not in there was a chair for the priest to sit in. There was a mercy seat, which was basically a covering on the Ark of the Covenant. And no priest would ever dare take a seat on the mercy seat. Nobody qualified. Nobody had authority to show mercy to a world that owed a debt they couldn't pay. So year after year, hundreds and hundreds of years and thousands and thousands and thousands of sacrifices and thousands of… Drops of blood sprinkled on altars, and it just covered the sins of God's people and gave them another year so that judgment wouldn't come because God is so holy and righteous. He demands holiness. Just covered. We just read in Ephesians chapter 1 that I want you to experience. I want you to come to know. I'm praying that your eyes could be opened, that you would understand the surpassing greatness of God's power, which was demonstrated when He raised Jesus from the dead and seated Him at the right hand of the Father in power. When Jesus said it was finished, the Father said, you bet it is. Sinners are now free. Unrighteous people are accepted through the righteousness of the Son. You have done it. The plan of God is complete. So come." And at the ascension, He stepped on a cloud, remember, and He was lifted up to the sky, and then the Father said, have your seat. No more sacrifices. There's no other way, everybody. Nothing covers your sin, not your goodness. You can be the best student in in all the classes. Don't rely on your own goodness. There's a mercy seat in heaven, and Jesus, the Son of God, has sat down on it, having completed the work, and now His mercy is poured out upon your life and on my life. This is the power of the cross, and here's the greatest thing ever. You have a new heart. In Ephesians chapter 2, it says, you once were dead in your trespasses and sins, but now He has seated you together with Christ in heavenly places, far above all power and rule and dominion and authority. Listen, the power of the cross is not only are you free, and now you're righteous, and you have a new identification, but you have a new position, an inheritance that I am right with God, and I am in His family. This comes to you through faith. In the natural, it sounds foolish to me, but the wisdom of God is greater than all the wisdom of men. In fact, the wisdom of God is called foolishness. If you're in here today, and let me tell you what's happening. In your mind, you may have formed an argument against Christianity. If you're watching online, you might have already listened to the naysayers and those who attack Christianity and and hate the ideology of it. But down in your spirit, there's something stirring. This is the voice of God. This is the Holy Spirit that's dealing with you. You cannot come to God except by faith. There will always be an element where you're saying no to the wisdom of man and yes, by faith to the wisdom of God. This is the power of the cross. Would you bow your head with me? I'm not, I'm not asking anybody to come forward. and I'm not even asking you to raise your hand. This is between you and Jesus. This is, a, this is God in you right now. Maybe, maybe you once believed, but somebody's convinced you that this is just foolish. And maybe you came here because a friend invited you or a parent twisted your arm. And it's Easter, so families come together on Easter. But you're being confronted right now with the wisdom of God. I don't know. Maybe you're here, and you're ready to say no to the wisdom of man, and yes, to the wisdom of God. Because the Lord is speaking to your spirit, if that's you, Man, He can transform your life right now. God, I pray for wisdom and understanding that comes from the revelation of the message that we have all chosen. We're not ashamed of the, of the cross. We're not ashamed to be Christians. And we're not ashamed to say that you have the authority because you went to the cross and gave up your life. So, you have the authority to say, no man can come by the Father to the Father except by me. I am the way, the truth, and the life. There's no other way. Jesus said that, I embrace it, don't you? If you're in here and you say, I, I, I'm ready, then I want you to just pray this prayer with me. I want you to say, God, I have rejected the truth, but my heart is stirred. My spirit is open. Would you flood me with the understanding like that verse said and help me come to Christ? Increase my faith and wash me clean by your blood because it was the Father's plan through the blood of Christ that our sins would be forgiven. Let's sing it. Come on. Can we just sing that together? Everybody, we're just going to close by singing this to the Lord. want to give you an opportunity. The Apostle Paul said that when Jesus died, we died with him. Remember, because we're united with him. And that when Jesus was buried, through baptism, we were buried with him. And that when he arose, we are risen with him. This is this incredible, substitutionary, beautiful image that we are now in Christ. And the outward of expression that we are devoted ourselves to this union is water baptism. There might be some of you in here, you've never really realized that. And maybe you were baptized as a teen or an adolescent or a baby. and Maybe some of you just prayed a prayer right now and you're like, I, 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 I want to publicly express my union with Christ. The next Sunday, we're going to have a tank here, and we're going to submerge people and baptize them, and, they're going, to, and they're, they're going to have a funeral service for the old person they used to be, and the new Christ follower that they are is going to come up out of that water, and we're going to celebrate a ceremony where the union has gone public. So, on that QR code, you can sign up for it. In fact, on that QR code, you can let us know that you gave your—you had an experience with God, and we will follow up with you next week, everybody. So we'd love to see baptisms happen next Sunday after I preach right here. Church starts at 10. If you have more questions about it, see us. If you want prayer right now on Easter Sunday, and you want somebody to pray with you, we'll have a team down here, everybody. Hey, you know what? There's a certificate of indebtedness and a receipt, and the receipt is Resurrection Sunday is here. The tomb is empty. That's proof that the work he did was complete. You can do better than that. Come on, everybody. Let's celebrate him. Oh, yes. Oh, come on, lift a shout up to the Lord. He is risen. All right. Hey, God bless you. Hey, visit our visitor center. Take some pictures. Hang out with one another. Hey, have a great Sunday, everybody. God bless you.